Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Tony Katz, the morning news, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Uh, Tony is on his way to Israel, so he is traveling today. He will start reporting from Israel tomorrow, uh, which is one of the cooler things I've said on a radio station about uh, someone I'm filling in for. Um, so we'll be hearing from Tony starting tomorrow as he is he's there. Um, talk about like doing journalism the way it's supposed to be done. I, I want to play this audio. This is of uh, John Kirby, a spokesperson for the White House, uh, talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about Benjamin Netanyahu and his surprised reaction to President Biden's comments that there would be a ceasefire in Gaza by Monday. Uh, this is something that apparently no one told the Prime Minister of Israel because he has no intention of having a ceasefire by Monday. Here we go. Just to follow on Mija's previous question, though, we've learned, according to an Israeli source, that Netanyahu was quite surprised by the president's comments about his expectations that there would be a ceasefire by Monday. So that doesn't bode a lot of optimism that one of the key parties was surprised by. Yeah, it doesn't bode a lot of optimism at all. Timeline the president had set. So why did he say Monday? I can't speak for uh, the surprise that foreign leaders have or don't have with regard to... Um, <laughs> Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu said he was surprised. I feel like you can't you can't throw doubt there. If the guy was like, I was surprised by that, is the, the dude we're talking about. Things that we're saying, the president uh, talked to y'all uh, after uh, staying completely up, up to speed, and he has been kept mm -hmm. up to speed on how these negotiations. Yeah, I'm good. I don't need the rest of the explanation. Uh, I can't imagine what it's like to work behind Joe Biden as any of the people who answer the questions that Joe Biden creates, because you probably stand there as he's speaking to the public and you're like, ah, oh, man, I got I to gotta fix that. I got to try to deal with that. Uh, this has gone away. I didn't want it to go. Uh, but no, genuinely, um, Biden calling for a ceasefire is very easy to explain. I can tell you why it's happening. He's giving in. He's giving in to the political pressure he feels, the lack of support he's getting from people on his side of the aisle who want that, who are cheering for that, who are claiming that. And here, there's this is the best example of it. This is John King on CNN uh, breaking down the turnout in a very specific county. Uh, Wayne County in Michigan, excuse me, Dearborn uh, in Michigan, too, uh, because this has a very high Muslim population. And Joe Biden lost to undecided um, as far as uh, who they'd like to see be the next president. This is why he's doing this, not because it's the right answer, not because it makes any sense whatsoever for Israel to cease fire with a terrorist organization whose stated goal is to kill everyone in Israel uh, again. And I know I've said this before on, on this show or other shows. If it were you, if you were living in Israel and if your country had just seen a horrific attack by terrorists who stated mission is to kill everyone else, would you want your government to do nothing? Would you want a ceasefire to occur? Yes, it's a tragedy uh, that civilians are dying uh, in this in this fight. But that's actually by design. What I mean by that is Hamas, the terrorist organization, is putting them in harm's way on purpose as a deterrent to fight the terrorist organization. Uh, that's an aspect that almost is never discussed the right way by those who are demanding a ceasefire. 
because it would be essentially giving in to what the terrorist organization is trying to cause in the first place by being responsible for putting civilians inside places where they hide weapons. They, they hide their weapons in hospitals. Uh, it, it's horrible the way in which this fight is going. And it's not on like 100% to blame for Israel and how they try to go about preventing harming innocent people, uh, but still fighting a terrorist group that wants to kill everyone there. Here, though, this is the breakdown of how many people voted against Biden in a specific county uh, because of this one issue. This is just the city of Dearborn, but that is where the biggest pocket of the Muslim American, the Arab American population. This is a place President Biden carried big time in 2020. This is key to his chances of defeating Donald Trump in Michigan. Again, now 75% to 23% in the city of Dearborn. Uh, we're waiting to get even more results from Wayne County. But this just tells you, again, it's going to raise the total number. Without a doubt, let me turn this off. No, that's fine. I'm, I'm good on that. Uh, yeah, 75% of people said they were uncommitted, undecided, did not want to vote for a Biden want to vote for someone else. That's why he's positioning himself now as someone who's embracing the concept of a ceasefire, a much absolutely uh, to the surprise and, and confusion of one of our biggest allies in Israel and a country that we have long supported. And actually, I'll just throw one other thing out there. Uh, a Harvard-Harris poll very recently cited that 80% of Americans asked the question on who they support in this conflict still said Israel. 80% of the United States supports Israel and their attempt to remove a terrorist organization uh, from, um, you know, a place that is way too close in proximity to them and poses way too much of a threat. 80%. And yet, if you're Biden and you look at the numbers on your side of the political aisle, uh, that number is quite a bit different. And it's now creating a policy for you, a policy that's dangerous and a policy that most of us shouldn't understand. All right, quick break, a lot more. This is Craig Collins filling in, 93 WIBC, Tony Katz in the Morning News. Tony Katz in the Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in, Matt and Carl hanging out as they do every morning on the show. I can't believe this is a controversy. I'm actually really excited about it. So Kellogg is facing backlash because not only has their CEO said, that you should eat cereal for dinner to save money because of how, you know, much things cost now, including cereal. Cereal's way too expensive to be just a breakfast food anymore, I guess. But Kellogg even put out a commercial uh, that I think stars Tony the Tiger uh, talking about how cereal plus dinner should be a thing. I have both the commercial and the CEO saying stuff. And I'm, I don't know why I'm so entertained by this. Let's do the commercial first. This is a real one. Kellogg put it out. Uh, this is their new marketing strategy. When I say cereal, you say dinner. Cereal. Dinner! Cereal. Dinner! Chicken! You can uh, have the night off, chicken. <laughs> okay, I'll go marinate. Cereal! Dinner! Cereal! Dinner! Alright, whoever did the chicken voice is awesome. Uh, Matt, do you have a reaction to this? Um, I, I really want to laugh at it, but that commercial was so offensive to me. Uh, on so many <laughs> levels, just... <laughs> The CEO of Kellogg's apparently hasn't done any of his shopping lately. Apparently he hasn't been no. to a grocery store or bought his own stuff in a really long time. And yeah. the example they use in a commercial is just heinous. They're talking about a pound of chicken. I can get it for five bucks as opposed to a box of cereal for $7 in some places. Yes. So you get a pound of chicken. You actually get the protein, the nutrients, not all the sugar for dinner instead of buying the cereal, which you get all that bad stuff. 
So I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's a total. I mean, you're totally misleading the public on this. I feel Absolutely. like I, I don't know how you could say all this, man, because, again, the CEO, Gary Plicknick, I guess is his name of Kellogg, told us that that's wrong, even though Matt's totally right. And we've all seen it at the grocery stores. Here's what the CEO actually said. Some of the things that we're doing is first messaging. We got to reach the consumer where they are. So we're advertising about cereal for dinner. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable. The price. <laughs> of a bowl of cereal uh-huh. with with milk and with fruit is less than a dollar. So you can imagine why a consumer under pressure might find that to be a good place to go. Okay, who puts fruit in cereal? Uh, by the way, I don't I don't take the time to do that. But back, go ahead again. I mean, fruit is expensive. What, yes. what are you doing? Especially, I mean, you have to pick <laughs> it over anymore. I mean, you know, our, right. the market I use here in downtown Indianapolis, I don't want to say their name, but they're wonderful people. And they try so hard with their produce, but it's still hard to find a good produce, especially here in a landlocked state sometimes. I mean, we don't have the climate force so we have to bring everything in and two, it's going to be expensive that way and secondly a bowl of cereal i mean if <laughs> i would still love to eat cereal for dinner every single night of my life for the rest right. of my life i love yeah. every cereal that's ever made it's god's <laughs> chosen food I, I would eat it all the time if i could but that's not realistic not no. even for kids i mean it's not it's, good it's for not you. a healthy diet for your children i would I, no. i'm not a parent i don't know but i would guess you know i was you a know, kid once you know, you know what's funny about you saying that? You know what's funny about you saying that is whenever I go to Mexico, my wife is from Mexico. Uh, they make some meals that I'm not going to eat. Uh, some things that happen there are things that we wouldn't do here in the United States. And so they have a box of Frosted Flakes that they bust out whenever the gringo can't eat stuff, and, and they give it. To, and I've eaten cereal for dinner in front of a very disapproving father-in-law as he's eat, eating something that I should be consuming. And they just sit there and look at me. They're like, oh, "One of our children married an American. This is very disappointing for all of us." So I, I've done this before, but it's definitely been in an insult sort of way. I love when my mother-in-law actually pulls the cereal box out of the thing. She's like, "Yeah, we know he's not consuming this food tonight. Here you go, you dummy." Um, I want to play something else. Ouch, yeah. I know. Well, she doesn't say any of that, or if she does, it's in Spanish, and I don't understand it's it. It's just implied. So I'm not sure. It's just implied. <laughs> yeah, right. you know. yeah, I think it's just implied. Yeah, I want to play this audio. This is a dude who proposed to his wife on Valentine's Day that's going viral now at a Waffle House. So this is the place he chose to do this. I love what he says and then what she says back to him. The woman seems pretty shocked and and moved by the whole thing. But here it goes. Now look, it takes a real man. Look, baby, it takes a real man to make Waffle House romantic. Yes. And I just have one question. Uh, real. Will you marry me? <laughs> so, by the way, the ring is being brought out on a waffle. Uh, the ring box is on top of a waffle. So, as he's saying, he's making the Waffle House romantic. She's turning and seeing it. <laughs> now she's crying. Wait. Her present is beef jerky. I feel like a guy who makes a Waffle House romantic is going to be very happy with some beef jerky. What do you got, Matt? Well, that's what he said at the beginning. It takes a real man. It was kind of hard to hear. (laughs) A real man to make Waffle House romantic. Yes, absolutely he did. And, and then he brought her the ring on the waffle, and they'll talk about it forever. Hey, I just, you know, a lot of people might ease themselves into that. You know, maybe start with Valentine's Day at the Waffle House. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, he got the ring and brought it out. Hey, yep. listen, love is love. And if this is a story for them to remember, I hope it mm-hmm. lasts. I mean, it's cool. I, I, I think these guys are fun. Uh, not yeah. the way I would do it, but, you know, I now, mean, it's 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 cool. It's, it's really cool. Well, no, cool. And, and again, I love the fact that she's so upset because all she got him for Valentine's Day was beef jerky because I, I bet you he's very happy with that i bet you he doesn't (laughs) mind at all and he's like this is totally fine this is a great gift um we're doing great uh one other quick one that i saw that i thought was kind of odd out there it's good uh for sure but a a church in new jersey 
has been asking for donations of prom attire so that kids can get prom dresses and, and tuxes and stuff from church. The only thing I thought of as a negative is when you tell your child in high school, you're going to go get your prom dress from church. They're not going to feel like they're going to have the options that some of them might want. Uh, but other than that, it seems like a really nice story. Um, I'm going to think back to the 90s when I went to prom and... I don't think the girls were shopping for dresses at church, <laughs> just gauging by what they are wearing. And I'm yeah. assuming uh, that trend hasn't, um, I, no. I don't know, changed much. I, I, I feel yeah. like people like to wear less clothes as opposed to more sometimes at some of these formal occasions to attract sure. the opposite sex or same sex, whatever the yeah. case might be. And I, I just don't see that all of a sudden becoming, you know, more conservative no. in the way they dress for prom. I, I, I feel like the war is always the parents wanting, you know, more cover up and the kids wanting less cover up. And I feel like the best way to prevent that argument, if you're a parent, is bring your kid to church for the dress there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Matt's got the Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. I hopefully you didn't just hear me burp into the microphone. I tried to do that off to the side, and I have no idea how much of it got caught in the mic. And that is embarrassing to admit on the radio. And yet I'm going to move on. Just going to keep doing other stuff. I saw this. I thought this was interesting. The Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, said the right thing and then the wrong thing. Uh, he said the right thing in, in stating that, hey, uh, we need to do something about the border. Uh, this is something that's actually the top issue for most Americans in the upcoming election. So it's important. It matters getting funding to to protect the border the right way, which is not just hiring a bunch more Border Patrol agents to go ahead and process catch and release into our country. We don't want to expect expedite the amount of people who are coming in and, and just disappearing after they get across the wide open border. Uh, but then he said the wrong thing. And that is about funding the government because I have a very simple message and I, I want to state it as clearly as I can shut it down. We shouldn't care. That's not something that matters. I have a caveat to that actually, but by and large, that's something that doesn't matter to your and I's lives. We're not going to notice if the government gets shut down and we shouldn't really care unless you work in a government role uh, that that's happening. It's not something the American people need to worry about. It's something in uh, Washington needs to figure out because it should be their problem and they need a resolution for it. The only caveat is military. I hate the idea, like, like very much hate the idea. I almost get angry about the idea that if the government did shut down people who are actually serving our country, uh, people in in foreign places, you know, people engaged in in combat of any kind um, wouldn't get paid. It's insane. It's insane to think about a guy waking up in a, in a forest somewhere uh, that's deployed to be there and not getting a paycheck because he absolutely should be getting a paycheck. But outside of that, I don't care about the rest of the government shutting down. Here is Speaker Johnson talking about both a bipartisan deal to fund the uh, border uh, protections and also a priority to help keep the government from shutting down. Again, we shouldn't care. And uh, I was very clear with the president and all those in the room that the House is actively uh, pursuing and uh, investigating all the various options on that. And we will address that in a timely manner. But again, the first priority of the country is our border and making sure it's secure. I, I believe the president can take executive authority right now today to change that. He can. And I told him that again today in person, as, I, as I've said to him many times, publicly and privately over the last several weeks. It's time for action. It is a catastrophe and it must stop. And we will get the government funded and we'll keep working on that. So we'll have more. Yeah, see, the government funded thing is not a negotiating point that we as Americans care about. We care much more about the border 
it doesn't matter as much as uh, mainstream media or anyone else legacy media tells you it matters. It's not going to affect us. And honestly, they're going to fix it all whenever they turn the government back on. Uh, it's a switch that they can flip that they act as though we need to be hyper focused on. And we don't. All right. I'm done with that. I've made that point several times now. I want to play a different moment. Earlier in the show, I was talking about this Fonnie Willis case and one of the people who is testifying again today. Uh, this is a friend of both of theirs, a defense attorney, uh, is grilling uh, Terrence Bradley about text messages that he sent long before uh, Fonnie Willis hired Nathan Wade uh, to be the lead prosecutor on the case against Donald Trump. Now, this, this witness uh, yesterday said that he was just speculating. He was just guessing as to whether or not Nathan Wade and Fonnie Willis were in a relationship long before, again, she chooses him to be lead prosecutor, even though he has absolutely no experience in criminal cases at all, much less gigantic ones uh, that are RICO cases. Here is the part, though, that seems the most damaging to the narrative that they weren't dating. And for some reason, this is not popping up as much on legacy media as the I was speculating thing. Uh, which is what he said that went all over the place because it seemed to uh, shoot a hole through the narrative that anyone knew they were dating. The text messages seemed to speak otherwise. With two pages of text messages between you and Ms. Merchant, correct? Correct. Now, the first page starts off by saying, Ms. Merchant, like, just date, don't hire him. Do you think it started before she hired him? You see that? Okay, here's what's funny about this. I'm not editing this audio at all. So a person that's looking at a text that they received and text that they sent to someone else written out on paper in front of them is staring at it and just like, like really trying to process. And the question was, do you see it? Do you see the information in front of you that is text messages that you exchange with someone telling Bonnie Willis, essentially, or, or saying that we should tell Bonnie Willis not to hire her boyfriend. It's fairly clear. Here we go. Still waiting. Do you, do you see it, sir? Do you see that? <laughs> yes, I see it. Okay, yes. okay. And your response to that was absolutely correct. I'm going to object, ask and answer in a few months. All right. So, um, Mr. Sato. Uh, okay, here's my favorite part, too. Uh, then they object to this, and it's a back and forth as to whether or not they've answered these questions in the past. Because the first time that this individual, Terrence Bradley, testified, he was much more willing to say out loud that it seemed as though they were dating uh, before he got hired. And now he's he's much different. Now he's he's much harder uh, to get these real answers, these honest answers out. Do you think we went through a lot of these texts? We, we didn't go through this whole just one. A, just a second, let's say that. <laughs> Somebody's getting a phone right. call. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Sada. Well, uh, you said we didn't go through this particular one? No, we went through, we stopped right there. I want to go. I went. I answered because she. This is the exact language that she just stated a few minutes ago. You can read it back. Okay, Mr. You saying both of these two exhibits weren't already covered by Ms. Merchant? It was not done. This particular language. Yeah, it was not covered. I love that even the the uh, person on the witness stand is like, I already answered these questions. Uh, I'm not supposed to be the one objecting or saying that it's not. Uh, you know, uh, something I want to keep doing. Uh, but it, it's crazy. They they sent texts back and forth. Miss Merchant is someone else who said that she knew the relationship was going on uh, before Fonnie Willis hires Nathan Wade. And yet so much of it is now, we don't, we didn't know for sure. 
we saw them holding hands, but that could have been friendly. Uh, he was there over her house late at night all night. They were working on stuff. We don't know. Who would know this stuff? I love so much of this and how much of those pieces of incriminating, you know, interactions are just missing from the mainstream media narrative on this. All right, quick break, a lot more. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. I'm Matt and Carl hanging out as they do every morning on this show. Uh, let me ask you a question, uh, Matt. How long do you drive around trying to find free parking if you go to an event where parking is hard? Oh, I won't drive around very long. Uh, I'll take the first thing that I see. Um, okay, you give up immediately? Yeah, and that's because if the lot is full and parking's hard to find, that means there's not going to be many spaces, so I just take one. Yeah, I, I love this survey. Uh, 88% of us try to avoid paying for parking when we go to stuff, and on average, people will drive around for at least 10 minutes looking for an open spot that's free around whatever venue they're going to, especially in you know bigger cities. Uh, they usually fail to find one and have to pay for it. But a lot of people are, are very stubborn, and I don't want to pay for parking. Where am I going to find somewhere to spot? Uh, and also, I love this part, 75% of people skip a social event entirely because of how difficult parking is. I understand that. I mean, I, I hate it when people don't come downtown because of the parking because parking is difficult downtown. That's just uh, how it is. And yeah. it can get very expensive. But when it comes to walking in the 10 minutes, I mean, is it, are you really, is it going to take it longer than 10 minutes to walk? Right. As opposed to just finding a spot to, and making your way to an event. And if it's somebody I want to see, no, the parking's not going to deter me. So, you know, it's I, I, I get it, but I don't. It's sometimes just it's best sure. to take the best spot and go live your life. Go enjoy the thing. Go do the thing. Relaxed, I want to make sure to throw this out there. I'm getting no benefit whatsoever by promoting a, a company for a second on the air. Uh, but one of the other stats in here says that two-thirds of people would absolutely go to an event if they could reserve a spot ahead of time. There's a thing called Park Hero. Uh, that's an app that I have on my phone that does exactly that. You reserve a spot, you pay for it ahead of time, you show up at whatever the garage is or place you're parking, and you just scan the QR code they give you in the app, and you park there, and it's usually cheaper. So I love that app, and I love that service. And it was interesting that two-thirds of people are like, yeah, I don't want to do it unless I can I can schedule that thing. You, you can't. Uh, and I imagine there's other companies that do it, too. It's awesome. Have you ever tried an app like that, Matt, or no? Well, if an app can help me circumvent parking tickets, I'm all for it. I mean, it's... <laughs> yes. I, I, no, no, I haven't done the app thing. I, I mean, that's something that uh, people a decade younger than me are a lot better at. But um, <laughs> it's... I can show you. It, I will walk you through it. Yeah, the, the reserving the parking spot is a great idea. It, it's just... Yes. Think about it. You're, you're going into downtown. You're going into a metropolis. Maybe you're not used to doing. That's one less thing you have to worry about. It's like using a ride share or, or using a, yes. a bus or something like that. The less you have to worry about actually driving, I, I think is better. At least it's for me when I oh, yeah. want to enjoy an event. That's, oh, yeah. You know. Absolutely. They say that, too. And actually, young people, look, Matt, you're trending with the young people Whoa. are more likely to do that than others. Uh, take some sort of ride share or some other public transit to get to their event. Uh, one other quick thing. 70% of people would choose comfort food over gourmet food. I feel like I've had this sort of stat before, but 70% of us just want the regular stuff, the normal stuff, 
the stuff we understand, uh, 16% of people actually would say they prefer gourmet food to regular food, and they'd rather eat that all the time. Quick reaction to this one? Oh, you could have both. Uh, why, you can't why, have both. Why do I have both? I mean, you have the fried chicken and the creme brulee. I mean, that sounds like a great <laughs> meal right. to yeah. me. Very healthy, too, for that matter. Right. Um, no, yeah. I mean, we're Hoosiers. You know, we like our tenderloin sandwich. We like the comfort See? food. We like the fries, the fried stuff. And I, and I love all that, too. But, you know, Amen. gourmet food, is it's expensive. and something you do when you take somebody out for dinner and be like, hey. Right. And um, if you want to make something gourmet and regular at the same time, throw a little caviar on your, you know, grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> and you'll be fine. It'll be great. I'm sure that tastes good. It's uh, an Matt, epicurium you some- romp. Right. <laughs>